Please join me if you feel so inclined. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very as we move into prayer this morning together I invite you if you're comfortable and everyone's eyes are closed so no one's going to be watching but if you're comfortable to gently tap your heart center over your heart three times and imagine that that touch has activated the heart center that beautiful song that Sparrow just shared with us that beautiful violin and guitar and drums living in the heart and so as we open that heart that sacred heart a beautiful heart. Let us know that there's an energetic that is enlivened. It's an invitation. And a beautiful deep breath. This is a perfect moment to simply relax and be. And as we once connect with that heart center, and then gently, if you're so inclined, to tap the top of your head one time activating that beautiful crown chakra that is imaged in many of the beautiful paintings of the, that halo effect. But in fact, what we're doing is opening that crown chakra in this moment in this sacred and beautiful space and allowing that heart to amplify that crown chakra, that a flame in our mind's eye starts to burn beautifully and powerfully. not only offering, but giving and receiving the reciprocity, opening ourselves. Let us nurture that activity this day, in this moment, filling our body, our beautiful physical form with this divine energetic of living from the heart, for the heart can fill every orifice. And so I invite you, wherever you may be experiencing physical discomfort, wherever you have been unkind to your physical form, right here and right now. Let us let that heart of unconditional love, that open heart, dissolve that for us. I invite you, if you're having problems with a knee or an ankle, a lower back, a shoulder, a neck, whatever it may be, if you're comfortable touching that place, but simply saying to this beautiful body, this beautiful, amazing temple, I love you. Dear knees of mine. I love you. And I know this infinite divine intelligence that you know how to heal yourself. And what I am providing is an opening and an opportunity for that divine energy to flood that area of tension, discomfort, discord, dis-ease, whatever it may be, and bless it. 
filling that area with just love, living, not only in our hearts, but directing that divine energy of the heart to wherever it is required. Let us start to this day with ourselves. And as we go along this day in our conversation, build that energetic, that beautiful divine source energy, building and expanding, first and foremost with ourselves. And as we move forward this day, nurturing that. If you forget, if you get lost in the thinking this day, the busyness of the mind, the rational mind comes back and just simply tap your heart three times. I've made a commitment to nurture my heart and to be nurtured by this infinite heart in this moment. That that heart, that one heart, that one life is my life. And I am the place where it shows up fully this day. I relax and breathe in and allow myself to be energetically supported in every good way. And so I know in declaration and affirming this for each person here in the I am that that life, that, that love beauty, that life is my life. And I embrace it and embody it in the physical form this day, grounding my energy, opening my heart, opening that beautiful crown chakra, letting that flame burn brightly, burning off whatever is no longer necessary, the purification, removing any blocks energetically where I am not allowing life to flow through me and as me. Whatever those memories may be that are assisting me in holding on to something, I lovingly dissolve them into the heart of unconditional love. And so this day is a day that is miraculous and powerful. This is a day to allow that cosmic Christ full expression through myself. For this I give thanks. I know that everything necessary for each and every one of us to experience, to understand, to shift and move, to dissolve, to embrace, whatever it may be, wherever we are. No pressure, but we stand together in the grace of life, putting down the comparisons and the counting, the need to earn for who we are and whose we are does not require us to earn. It simply requires us to be. And so standing in the grace with you and the beauty with you, the joy of this moment, this powerful spiritual practice of honoring this beautiful body temple that many times I have been unkind to, I release all that. I forgive myself and put it down and support you in that same capacity if you choose this in this moment. For this I give thanks. Releasing these words and knowing that these words continue to be alive and dynamic for us as long as we are mindful of it. And should we forget, I tap my heart three times, bring myself back to this beautiful awareness. And together we say, and so it is. All righty. Beautiful, beautiful. What a beautiful day. So I'm going to invite our beautiful, amazing teens to come up and share. They just got back from teen camp. And it's always a wonderful experience to hear uh, what unfolded for them. So uh, Sandra Gibbs took the trip with them. God bless you, Sandra, for your devotion and commitment to this beautiful group. Good morning. Yes, we returned last night from Idlewild, California. Ten of us went down from Canada to meet with teens from all over North America. We spent the week uh, meeting... Uh, greeting old friends, making new ones, bonding with people in our cabins, and working in workshops in um, what we call family groups. Uh, one of the activities they asked, to do, asked us to do towards the end of the week was think about our best 30 seconds of camp. If you could only have 30 seconds to relive, what would they be? 
And I'll just briefly tell you that mine is um, the moments when we were all together, somewhat like we are right now, when everybody was singing or someone was speaking and we were a total group experience that really touched my heart. And the rest of the people here are going to tell you theirs. Hi. So my name's Diana, and uh, the 30 seconds that I would like to relive, if I could, were... Um, this thing called Youth Speaks, where the youth stand up and speak about experiences that they've had. Uh, I stood up and spoke about an experience that I'd had at another school, and how that changed me and how that made me a better person and brought me to where I am today. And if I could relive that, I would. It was amazing to be up in front of people who I love and support, and who love and support me back, and knowing that I have all these people to like, just have. So yes, thank you. Hi, I'm Cammie, and um, the 30 seconds I would relive at any time would be uh, when, during this thing called theme night, we had to connect, well, not specifically connect, but uh, go over a time where we felt disrespected or dishonored, and the three girls I was with in my group, uh, we all broke down, and um, we, we just supported each other so strongly, and through the rest of the camp, that connection that we built was just undying, and it grew to be such a wonderful thing that I don't think I'll ever be able to replace. So it's incredible, the connections that you can make in a week. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Zoe. Um, hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, For me, I don't think I can really pick just 30 seconds, because... Being my first camp, it was just an overall, just a great experience. Um, to be surrounded by so much love in all these different forms was, it was just really inspiring for me to continue to spread the love when I come home to everyone around me, including here at the center. Um, and you know, I think one thing that stood out for me, though, is someone who identifies as queer was the huge presence of other members of the LGBTQ community. Um, like it was just, it was just amazing to see people with such, you know, amazing lives, even if they've had hard times, it was, it was amazing to see them filled with such love and happiness, and it just gave me hope to feel the same way, um, and I just want to thank the center for all the support you've given to me and everyone here for such a life-changing experience, so. Hi, I'm Lisa. This year was my Padawan year. Padawan, the name Padawan, is what we call people who are 18 and on their last year as a youth. So one moment that I would love to relive is initiation night. It's a night where Padawans are recognized as the young adults that they are and honored for all their time and effort spent in this teaching. And it's just a night full of love and acceptance and joy. Uh, hi, I'm Emma, and I was a Padawan also. Um, this camp was a pretty unique experience for me this year, and um, one moment that I really loved is we were doing a workshop in our family groups um, where we got to state our affirmation um, and our truth about our authentic and God's self. And we stepped into the middle of the circle, surrounded by like our family members, and we just like screamed our affirmation while our family members cheered, and I just felt so empowered. And I got to step into the middle of the circle and say that 
I am my true, authentic God self, and if someone does not like that, or if someone does not recognize that in me, that they are not worth my time. So I felt really empowered. And um, just as a side note, one of the intentions we had um, as a youth group, we're the only group from Canada currently that goes to this camp in California. So one of our intentions was that next year for this upcoming summer camp that we'll have another Canadian group there um, to join us. So we'll all be knowing that. And if you guys could know that for us too, that'd be lovely. Thanks. And so it is. Thank you, teens. Beautiful. And I'd like to recognize our wonderful advisors, Sandra, Alicia, and Saskia, for all their support there. Beautiful. Thank you. Always, uh, it's always beautiful to watch our teens come back and, and sort of glow in that uh, experience and be able to share a bit of it. I, was, I could feel the energetic of it build as I was standing at the end there with them, and it's quite lovely. So I've um, been talking about, actually, it's nurturing conviction, but consciousness works as well, as, as Reverend Catherine said. Nurturing conviction, planting seeds of faith, and I think, oh, we did good, good. I've, I've got a, uh, you don't need to know tell you later. Anyway, but I wanted to, I heard this wonderful story this week about, um, they had a, well, it's a bit sad. They found about 200 crows that had been killed and they couldn't figure out what happened. And these crows were in a, in a uh, rural area and, um, but they, they were all dead and they couldn't figure out if it was poison or if it was some natural disaster or what had happened to the crows. And they, they went and studied and they found that the crows had all had signs of paint on them, that there'd been this impact that had taken their lives. And they realized that it was caused by vehicles. And so they did a little more research and they, they were able to take paint samples because they really wanted to know what happened to these beautiful birds. And they found that most of the crows had been killed by trucks, by over-the-road truckers. A couple had been killed by cars, but out of the 200, only about two had been hit by cars. They could tell from the paint samples. And so what they theorized is because typically when the crows are on the road killing a road, or eating a roadkill, they have a lookout. And the lookout is able to say, uh, the, the lookout is able to say, car, 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 but it's not able to say truck. So they know that... <laughs> Don't you love that? <laughs> but it, but it's so, so, see, it's so important to activate joy. And joy is such an unpopular um, thing that we think about because most, of, most people confuse joy with pleasure. And pleasure is temporary, but joy is a state of being. And so talking about nurturing conviction, what are, what are we for in our lives? What do we want to have more of? And when we, all of a sudden, Joseph Campbell said the, the goal of life. They asked him, what's the goal of life? This beautiful, amazing man that had read all of the traditions and had been this, this cultural anthropologist that influenced thought for, he still influences thought through his writings. And he said that the goal is to live in the sorrow of life in joy. Which means that it's a way of being not based on conditions. Even when, when something sorrowful has happened, that there's an underlying sense of joy which is that energetic that I talked about in the opening treatment. Now, remember as we go along, if you, you start to get back in your rational mind, just tap your, 
just three times. And you are that place where energy and love and light can show up. The, the, the heart is activated and there's this communication going through the, the entire being from that heart chakra through the crown chakra and down into the intuition. And it's a beautiful thing. I mean, this is, this is sacred tradition from antiquity. This isn't something that we've just, we've just uh, come up with here this morning. I, I got up this morning and I had this amazing, I thought, I have a five-star day. I got up and I did my reading and then I did this beautiful twin heart meditation, which is based on the pranic uh, healing meditation. And I did that and then I, um, and then I did my releasing prayer. And then I did some more meditation and prayer, and I got here. I forgot to do the group prayer with everybody. I thought, well, it's a four-star day. It's not a five-star day. So I was like, what, what did we miss today? And we typically do a grounding prayer. And I, I was so prayed up, I thought, hmm, what did I miss? So we'll go with a four-star day. But four-star day is better than a one-star day, as far as I'm concerned. So I wanted to, to talk a little bit. I brought, the, I brought the Lamza Bible out, and George Lamza was a great researcher. I want to do a little bit of Lamza thumping today. And there's a beautiful story that I think articulates so much about this nurturing conviction. And it's, you've all heard it, it's the, called the prodigal son. And if you look up there, there's the son, he's come home to his father. And uh, I want to read it to you. I won't, probably won't re- read it all to you, but I'll read most of it to you. Uh, let's see, 1511, there it is. And his younger, and Jesus said to them, a man and his two sons... And his younger son said to him, My father, give me the portion which is coming to me from this house. And he divided it to to them in possessions. And after a few days, this young son gathered everything that was his share, and he went to a far country. And there he wasted his wealth in extravagant living. Probably Las Vegas. Maybe New York. And when when all that he had was gone, there was a severe famine in that country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and got acquainted with one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him to the field to feed the swine. So he got to hang out with the pigs. And he craved to fill his stomach with the husk that the swine were eating, and yet no man would give him. Couldn't even get a husk. And, and, And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired workers are now in my father's house and who have plenty of bread, and I'm here perishing with hunger? I will rise up and go to my father and say to him, my father, I have sinned before heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired workers. Because he'd been humbled. He'd been brought to his knees. He realized, I blew it. I asked for what was mine, and then I blew it. I squandered it. And and he rose up and he came to his father, and while he was yet at the distance, his father saw him and had compassion on him, and he ran and he fell on his neck and kissed him. The dad was so happy to see him. And his son said to him, my father, I have sinned before heaven. And heaven means wholeness. I've moved out of wholeness is what heaven, that, that sense of, of, of a fully orbed being. But I've moved out of that state of well-being before you and I'm not worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, bring the best robe and put it on him and put on a ring on his finger and his hand and his shoes on his feet and bring and kill the fat ox and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead, and now he's come to life. So he fell asleep, and he came back awake. He was lost, and he's found, and they began to be merry. They're having a party. But his elder son was in the field, and he came, to, came near the house, and he heard the voice of the singing of many. And he called one of the boys and asked him, what is this all about? What's going on in there? And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed a fat ox because he received him safe and well. And he became angry and would not go in. So his father called out and besought him. But he said to his father, behold, how many years have I served you? 
and I've never disobeyed your commandment, and yet you never gave me even a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But for this son of yours, after he has wasted your wealth with harlots and come back, you have killed the fat ox. And the father said to him, my son, you are always with me, and everything which is mine is yours. And it was right for us to make merry and rejoice, for this is your brother was dead and he has come back to life. He was lost and is found. And the, 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 the brilliance of this amazing teacher, Jesus of Nazareth, is that he, t- he spoke in parables. And, and such a beautiful, beautiful parable. Because if you look in this picture, you'll see there's the, there's the older brother looking over the, the younger brother's shoulder. And he doesn't look happy, does he? In the next slide, you see another one where the, another artist, artist rendition of this beautiful story. Once again, there's the brother standing there. And he's not happy. And so what happens with Scripture is, as, as Richard, Father Richard Rohr talks about, when you, we interpret scripture literally, it is the lowest level of meaning. It has the lowest um, charge on it for us. There's something more. So when we read it literally, there's something missing. It's like the idea of uh, Noah's Ark. Here's a picture of Noah's Ark. Okay, there's all the animals in there. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. And guys are still looking for the ark. I was Googling and they say, hey, we found Noah's Ark and here's a YouTube video of Noah's Ark. See, Noah's Ark probably didn't happen, literally. It might have, but it doesn't matter if it happened or not. It's what's the meaning in it? And maybe it's about, it takes more than one. We have to work in collaboration with one another. We need to be in relationship, two by two, and we need to care for what has been given us. So here's this beautiful man that realizes, oh my God, all these gifts come from source. All of, all of life comes from source, this loving, unconditional, generous source, and that it's our opportunity to care for this life that sustains us, this beautiful planet. And it takes more than one, it takes us being in relationship. You know, this whole thing around the, the, uh, the gay marriage in, in the United States, I mean, it's, it's such an interesting thing when people go to, and they cherry pick scripture to say that how wrong this is, to look at it literally, who are any of us to deny love and deny people that want to be partners and be in relationship? Why should we say because it doesn't fit what I believe to be my paradigm that it's unacceptable that you, you, need, you need to be lonely? None of us want to be lonely. There's a calling in our hearts. I think what's happening on the planet right now is calling all of us to shift our paradigms. So when we interpret scripture literally, we limit it. We just, we just limit it, we clamp it down. Because if you can pull up the next slide, Charles. There's, what's happened on this planet is we've become the older brother. You're bad and wrong. You're bad and wrong. I'm the one here that's been doing all the work because I've earned it. It's a meritocracy. I count, I keep track of all the good things I've done. I was given holy cards as a little kid. The more holy cards I had, the quicker I could get into purgatory and burn off the dross of my sins so then I could get into heaven. I had stacks and stacks of them in shoe boxes. I finally asked my mom one day, how many of these do I have to keep collecting until I can go have some fun? She didn't like that. But I was sincere. I wanted to know, how many, when, when do I get to the point where I'm, I got this covered and I'm good to go? When will my soul, when will I have earned enough, the meritocracy? But what has happened with, the, with a lot of Christianity, not all of it, and we love it, and believe me, I'm not criticizing it. I'm looking at it. But it's turned into tribal, uh, tribal Christianity. That's what I was raised in. 
We were told as, as a, and I was raised Catholic, but we weren't even allowed to go to a different Catholic church. We would go up to northern Minnesota and go on a, on a vacation for a week with my mom and dad, and we would have to tell the priests, we'd have to go back and confess that we couldn't get to this church, but we went to another one that was 300 miles away, as if it was bad and wrong and a sin. But that was, so it becomes tribal Christianity. So what the, the, the prodigal son's story, I believe, this is just my perception, it's not about, so what's happened with tribal Christianity is then, okay, in order to be saved, we've all got to go back to Jesus. That's what the Father represents in that story. You've got to go back to Jesus because you've got to go through Jesus to get to God. And what the, the story, I believe, at, the, at a different level is that Spirit is always with us. Always with us. We are never separate from Spirit. I'm always here. And everything I have is yours. But what's happened is that the, the story of this older brother Bad and wrong, bad and wrong, bad and wrong. Got to get them. Wars are waged. Look at the, Christian, uh, the, the Crusades. Well, let's go kill the infidels. Infidel means non-believer. And we still have wars. We still take the Christian mantle up and say, we've got to go kill these people. And all we're doing is just killing one another and destroying one another. And so it's, it's that we're always blessed. That everything has been given. But when we block it and restrict it, it can't get to us. It's opening ourselves up to a greater experience, a greater yet to be. So this meritocracy is a very interesting thing. And I think for me, it's where am I trapped into the meritocracy? Because when we break out of meritocracy, nurturing conviction, we move into grace. And grace is not about competition. David Hawkins talks about it. He talks about people that have come up. David Hawkins did the thing on calibration of consciousness. And David Hawkins says, whenever somebody comes up to me and tells me how high they calibrate on consciousness, I know they're full of crap because they don't get it. Because when you're in the state of grace, you don't even, you don't even count anymore. It's not even how you measure anymore. You're just in grace. So they say to him, well, what's your practice? He said, just to be as loving, unconditionally loving, wherever I am, and to be supportive, to go into the grocery store. And say, man, I'm going to make this. I'm going to make this young girl or this young this lady who's working behind the counter, a young man or a young boy or old man. I'm going to make it the best day they can possibly have. I'm going to be the the number one customer they've ever had. To be generous, the generosity of spirit. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much that I know I can drive down the street and I can get a, I can get what I need. I don't have to go out and hunt for it. I don't have to kill anybody to get it. I just come down here and we have this beautiful exchange. That's it. So there's a wonderful teacher that I've been using, and I've used a number of you, I've been in discussion about this, a fellow by the name of George Leonard, a remarkable man. He put up, uh, and I've got a quote here, a long quote with him. He was, there he is, he talks about, he was the founder of the Esalen Institute. He was also a black belt in Aikido. He was a World War II pilot, a prolific author, and a fifth... Um, uh, but founded the Esalen Institute, which is a, a place that's still in California and has done a lot of the transformational work. And he said this about, about the journey. He said, the problem with a lot of transformation experiments in the 60s and 70s was that they were quick fix, big bang type experiments. But to really change, you have to be willing to stay on what I call the plateau. That's where we have found the best results. It's called the mastery curve, and it means that you stay on a plateau for a long time when you're learning any new skill. And then every so often, you will have a little spurt upward. You go, wow, I'm growing, I'm changing, this is great. Woohoo! But it's interesting, because he says when the, when the spurt occurs, um, 
they'll often say, okay, I'm learning now. But what we have learned, what we have to teach people is that exactly not when they are learning. The spurt is just a reflection of what's happening. You're actually learning when you're on the plateau. We, and we don't realize it. So what is, what's important about spiritual practice and nurturing conviction is to realize, wait a minute. When we come in here and I ask you to open your heart, tap your heart three times, open your, your crown chakra and let that energy move into you when we do a centering prayer. All of that, that's part of spiritual practice that lifts us up, elevates our plateau. So we are being done onto when we don't even know it. I just love that. I love that idea that, wow, things are happening for me and through me. So it takes patience, it takes diligence, and it's long-term practice. That's when things are being programmed into them, into us. It takes long-term practice over and over and over again. And how do we do that? Well, I think it's, it's having those, those um, practices in our lives and understanding and looking at the world with a mindfulness and awareness and a perspective to realize that the Christ, the Christ story, you know, just like looking for the ark, people are looking for the manger. As if, if I can find the manger, then I can affirm and know that I am on the right path and that Jesus did live. As, as Father Richard Rohr says, he doesn't care about the virgin birth, whether it happened or not. What the virgin birth is reflecting is only this infinite source of life can create the divine. And we are part of that. That the Christ is everywhere. The Christ is in the, is in the lizard, in the lion. It's everywhere. And it's even in scripture. He cites, I mean, this man is brilliant. He cites the traditional scriptures of where it's listed in his, in his uh, podcast. It's beautiful. It's, what, it's part of the message, the higher message of this Christ is constantly being given birth in all of us. And so, when, but when we, when we downplay ourselves, I mean, our bodies have gotten a bad rap. Oh my gosh. Look at all the discord and disease with the physical body on this planet. And, you know, and being raised or brought up in original sin, how could my body be anything but sinful? Because that's who I was. And, 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 it's, and that wasn't wrong. Like Richard Rohr says, we have to start somewhere. We have to have a box to start in. Because you can't say, yeah, God is everywhere. God is everywhere. You run around, God is everywhere. It's too general. You have to pull it down to the particular. It has to be filtered. See, the, when you move out of meritocracy, counting, measuring, comparing and you move into grace, all of a sudden life becomes inclusive. You see God everywhere. It becomes merciful, and it becomes non-punitive. That was one of the great things that Jesus modeled for us. He, he, he modeled non-redemptive violence. You did something wrong to me, and I'm gonna get you. As I said last week, he never said to his apostles, now when I'm gone, I want you to sneak around with daggers and poison and get all the guys that got me. No, the story is that there's life is eternal. And then he was moving forward and he understood that people were operating, they, they know not what they do. And they stood in the mercy. See, mercy in the spiral dynamics of which Reverend Catherine and John Dixon are teaching, mercy is love in action. Mercy is the house of the ninth spiral dynamic, if you understand spiral dynamics. There's levels. Ninth is the highest level right now, emerging on the planet. But it's mercy, is love in action. It takes patience, diligence, long-term practice. That's when things are being programmed into us. So the practices we have, meditation, centering prayer, there's one life. That life is love, beauty's life. That life is my life now. And the infinite presence always says yes. And then all of a sudden that energy moves through us like it's never moved through us before. These young teens go down to teen camp and they're in the quantum field of unconditional love. It changes their lives forever because they've had a peek at it. They've had a taste of it. That's why it's so impactful. 
I still talk to the, the young adults that have gone over the years and they say, it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me in my life. So mystery is not about perfection. It's about the process, it's a journey. Great truth is, not pr- is portrayed on a small stage. It's just like a great movie, it's like a great play, it's like a great novel. You don't include all of it. To run around and say God is everywhere and, and God is in everything, it's, while it's true, what's most important is that we can embody it and own it in ourselves. It has to start here, right now. Because when we can own it in ourselves, when it has a place to grow within ourselves, then all of a sudden we can see it in others and it means something. It's not just this one more thing we're announcing, it means something. And then we have the opportunity to influence the planet. George, George Burr Leonard said, the master is the one who is willing to try and fail and try again for as long as he or she lives. We're never done with it. The master is the one who stays on the path year after year after year. See, the, the same Adams, Holly Jones, who just made her transition to this beautiful video, I'm gonna show it at her memorial on August 22nd here. She did this beautiful video, it's nine minutes long, called The, um, the Miracle That Is You. And what science knows now is all the atoms that have ever been are still here in this universe. They're all here. They've never left. All the, the air that the Jesus of Nazareth breathed when he was alive is still here. It's still circulating the planet. It just gets dissipated and it gets recreated into new form. Isn't that fascinating? There's no new atoms. It just keeps getting reformed. Changing form. This is a picture. I have a picture here. There he is. George Burr Leonard. Amazing man, died in 2010. See, when I talked about joy, joy, the ego cannot sustain joy. We are so addicted to negativity. As, as Father uh, Rohr says, in the United States, every three days there's a new disaster. Because the rational mind and the ego loves that. It hooks us. Oh my gosh, we're running out of money, we're running out of water. There, it's a drought, it's a financial crisis. There's terrorists on it. It's an orange day. It's a red day. <sighs> wow. But that feeds that egoic mind, that rational mind. And it's not where the solution is found. It's not the path. But it's so easy to get trapped in negativity. See, negativity can last a lifetime. Bitterness and cynicism can last a lifetime. It just can't, and it's so easy because the ego dives right into a joy. To to activate joy, you've got to lift yourself up out of this. You've got to stop thinking for a while and say, wow, there is a force for good that is having its way by means of me. There's a reciprocity going on right now. Tap your heart three times again. Keep that energy moving because we're going to build it and build it, and I'm going to do a little teaching on this at the end of it, which is a beautiful spiritual practice. As I said earlier this week, what happens, except what happens is if you have chosen it, that you are invincible, that your, your soul knows what needs to happen. If you're on the, the path of uh, the cosmic Christ, you will be betrayed. That's part of the story. That's part of Jesus' story. He was betrayed. There would be no Christianity if Jesus hadn't been portrayed and, and crucified and rose again. We'll all be betrayed. It's part of the, the journey. The other thing he said about it is, and this always challenges his father, Roar says, you have to leave home. You have to leave your family. And he always says, I wonder how that sounds with all the people that say it's faith in the family with the good Christian family staying together. He says, you have to leave the family. It doesn't mean you have to hate them, although he does say that too. Some of the scripture, you have to hate your mother and hate your father, which means separate from them, differentiate from them. And then you can come back. When you leave home, you can go back home with something new and wonderful. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It just means you've all of a sudden gathered new perspective and new tools that, you, that the construct that they gave us, we've deconstructed so we can re- 
constructed. Those three stages that we talked about last week and step back into the family in a different way. And that's hard. People were teaching of change and then when change happens, people don't like it. It's amazing to me. We pray for the greater yet to be, the greater yet to be, and then somebody says, well, what happened to the music? Well, they changed. People, people resign and people, they changed. And, and now we have this lovely sparrow here this Sunday. So who are we to say we gotta hold it in place because then there's, there's, we don't want any more new people coming in here. I did that when I was in my first church. We were so tight and so, so groovy and so into one another that if you were new and came to our church, you didn't wanna hang out with us because you were never gonna be part of that. I said, we gotta stop this. We gotta stop being so, so, so insulary that no one else can get in. It's like, come on, man. We got a great thing here. Let's share it. Let's not protect it. Let's open this thing up. The greater yet to be. Oh, yeah, I'm all for change. I'm all for change in my life. But then I lost my job and my husband left me. What's up with that? Well, what were we praying for? The greater yet to be so my soul could be expressed because the soul always wants more, 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 more. And if you and your partner are supposed to come, if you had to leave home in that relationship and go back to it so you could learn something, beautiful. If you've learned, if you've had the healing for you and your partner that's supposed to have t- taken place, beautiful, because he or she is eternal as, as am I. But it's all perception. I'm all for change as long as it doesn't inconvenience me. Is not something that Dr. Ernest Holmes taught. And so to trust it, to stand in faith, nurturing conviction is not certitude. I don't have the answers. But I know something within me does. And if I slow down enough to listen, I'll realize it. So Richard Rohr says life's meaning is to proud, like I love this, to proudly, humbly, and proudly return what you've been given. It's reciprocity. To humbly, oh my God, I've been given so much. Such an opportunity. To give back, to humbly and proudly return what has been given. He also says love. Love is saying yes to what is. Very much like Byron Katie, saying yes to what is. In improv, anybody here ever taken an improv class? When you go to improv and, and I say, Alicia, you're going you're gonna to be my daughter and I'm going to be your grandfather, and Alicia says to me, no, I'm not. You can't go anywhere. The scene is over. You always have, in improv, you always have to say yes. Life is improv. We're making it up as we go. To say yes. I mean, that doesn't mean that, you, that, that things, bad things are coming your way. Get, you know, get out of the way. Say no to that, but you've got to be willing to engage life and to continue to say yes. Wow, look at this. My soul wants to experience this greater experience. Our souls have come here to have this experience because as we are fulfilled, the divine is fulfilled. And George Leonard said it takes patience, diligence, long-term practice. That's when things are being programmed into us. So what do you have on your plateau? What's there for you? So this practice I started with today, this energetic practice of opening the heart chakra, opening the heart center, breathing in, feeling that energy, and opening the crown chakra. There are energy centers in the body. This is ancient wisdom. This isn't new age woo-woo. This is ancient wisdom. And as we activate that, so the flame, the flame that is burning, and we've been given all this, so let us take that energy that we've built this day and offer it, first and foremost, bring into your minds are the people that you love and bless them with unconditional love. Your family, your grandchildren, your babies, brothers, sisters, all of them. Put down, the, put down the meritocracy and just love them, just as they are. And then all of a sudden we start to love the city of Edmonton, blessing it, blessing the leaders, all of the people that 
allow us to drive these beautiful streets in such an orderly fashion to get from where we are to where we want to go safely. All of the people that plow the snow, all of the people that have gifted us, the teachers and doctors and nurses, we bless them all. And then we bless this province, this beautiful province. We bless the leadership, the new leadership, the old leadership whose shoulders we stand upon and say thank you so much for serving. And then we bless Canada and we bless the world because you and I are the thing itself. You and I are where the Christ is being born now in our own beautiful way, not because we are better than, but because we recognize we are one with it. And it is beautiful and powerful. Where there's war breaking out on this planet, we bless the soldiers. We bless the discord. We bring love to that environment because we do not stand for that. But we don't condemn it. When we condemn it, we jump right into the meritocracy. We stand in grace and beauty and know that this will no longer stand upon this planet, that we stand for love wherever it shows up. We stand for everyone to have a fulfilled life a partnership that is rich and wonderful and beautiful and powerful so that the greater yet to be can be given birth. We bless this beautiful planet. See it in your mind's eye. Shrink that planet down before you and in, in your mind's eye, hold your hands up and bless it, bless it, bless it. Enough water, enough resources, enough wisdom to be good stewards of it, knowing that everyone has everything they need, that this beautiful planet has given and given and given and we give back to it now. And so what I know, the other part of this is that we have shared this love. We have shared this light. We have set an intention because energy goes where we direct it. And so what I know now is there's, a, there's an excess. It comes back to us. This is tithing. This is giving out so we can receive. So tenfold of what we've given out comes back to us here and now. And I invite you to bless your physical health. Bless this beautiful body and say, thank you. I, I love you. And I know you know how to heal yourself. It is within your, your spiritual DNA. Thank you. And do a good job. I know you will. Let's bless our finances with this excess energy, knowing that we prosper, that amazing and wonderful surprises show up in our lives. Let us bless our relationships with those that we love and those that we have been challenged by, our, our neighbors who tempt us not to love them. Let us bless them and say thank you for giving back to me and mirroring for me what's important for me to know so that I may be about the business of dissolving it. Let's bless creative opportunity that pours into us the inspiration, the intuitive guidance. Let us bless this day. So you and I have now engaged in this beautiful act of reciprocity blessing out and that creating that excess of energy that then comes back into our lives and blesses us. This powerful, beautiful energetic of this, that there is, there is nothing to judge, there is nothing to fix, there's only something to reveal. We can't get there. We can only be there. To live our lives, as I said, an expectation is a resentment waiting to happen. Not that we, to give our best wherever we are with the generosity of spirit, not expecting anything back. That is mastery, to give our gifts and know that what is ours will find us. That is living in that divine flow of life. That is living in this divine blessing. And so it is. Thank you.